Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, Josh Norris and Hayden Winks of the Underdog Football Show join us to cheat on your fantasy football leagues, understand everything about best ball and why what we know about best ball drafts will help you win your home fantasy football leagues this upcoming season. We're going to talk about all that and about some key players. But first, I want to tell you about another podcast because ESPN in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions presents not just football with Cam Hayward. Each week, fans get a peek behind the curtain of NFL life. Pittsburgh Steelers defensive tackle and five-time pro bowler. Frankly, should be more than five times if you ask me. Cam Hayward gives his unfiltered thoughts on the league and headlines across all sports. That's not just football with Cam Hayward. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now here, as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show, one man making, I think, his third appearance on the show, one man making his debut together. They are the hosts of the Underdog Football Show on YouTube. They do excellent work for the Underdog Fantasy Platform, and they are here today not just to extol the virtues of best ball, but also to help you win your home fantasy league this upcoming season. It's Josh Norris and Hayden Winks. guys. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going great. I will say, I love Hayden, truly. But typically, when we make appearances in other people's shows, we're, we're separated. So it's like a little, you know, mini vacation or a weekend mm-hmm. break that you get from your significant other. Sure. Uh, you pulled us back in together. So I think there's positives and negatives to this, but I'm excited what we're about to do for the next, I don't know, 45 minutes here. Do you think this is a competition where one of you guys will win out at the end and we'll hang up on the other one? Uh, we were told by the the shadowy figures at Underdog Fantasy, uh, only one person makes it to Wednesday of this week. So th- this episode <laughs> is going to decide that. I like my odds. <laughs> the, ultimate, the ultimate tournament. Uh, survival to Wednesday. The, the Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I'm not sure if any of us are going to be surviving after the draft um we have a lot to get to today i think this is going to be a really fun show not only are you guys great on your own show but also i think this is a really interesting topic to me as someone who is like you guys a best ball sicko i feel like there's a big gap between sort of the conversations and the the insight maybe that's happening when it comes to analyzing players who are being taken in best ball drafts as opposed to these sort of players and conversations we're seeing about players taken in your home fantasy leagues. And I think we're going to talk about some of the players who are being drafted way earlier or way later in those respective drafts. Try to get a sense of what might be standing out, whether it's something about best ball uniquely or your home league uniquely, or whether it's about just that maybe having thousands of drafts of ADP to understand what's happening with a player might gain more insight than the people who are showing up to your home leagues with a magazine from three months ago, which doesn't happen (laughs) as much anymore as it did maybe 25 years ago, but there's still that one guy. Um, So we are going to talk about all that. But first, guys, I feel like we should just give a brief introduction to best ball and to sort of the, the unique, 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 unique nature of best ball that may stand out versus fantasy leagues at home so either one of you i'm not going to pick one you guys can battle it out can you please explain sort of the just the the sort of broad view of best ball and and how it might differ on a broad level versus your home fantasy league i'll do the simple stuff and hayden why don't you always as always take the complicated stuff um (laughs) best ball all that it is it's just drafting and that's it we or any other platform set your optimal lineup for you each and every week. So you don't have to worry about waivers. You don't have to worry about this player versus this player based on the matchup. Again, you just draft. It's 18 rounds. And 
and you know, the, the best draft basically wins out in the in, entire thing. And Bill, I think how you outline this is that allows for a bunch of different strategies. You mm-hmm. know, some normal leagues, some redraft leagues get very nervous about variance, about uh, a player going off on their bench, um, uh, about then they might have, you know, two or three points the following week when they actually start them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hayden and I kind of drift towards those players. We accept those players. We absorb those <laughs> players. We, we we love the upside of, of the mm-hmm. 17, the 13 point weeks. That's just one aspect to us where, you know, these the high variance nature of it, you know, lean into it a bit more mm-hmm. in best ball. I would say the other thing is it's tournament style. So like for Best Ball Mania 3, there's 450,000 people in that. So everything comes down to upside against your home leagues. You're drafting against nine, maybe 11, maybe 13 uh, of your friends or coworkers. And in this tournament, you got to come in first place out of literally almost a half of a million people. So uh, (laughs) ceiling is all we care about. And it's weekly ceiling and season long ceiling Mm -hmm. that mostly means kind of dipping into the unknown. You have to take on injury risk. You have to go for the young players. I think a lot of the players we're going to talk about today kind of fit fit in that boat where either they busted last year and everyone's scared of them. Mm -hmm. They're young. We haven't seen the ceiling yet. Mm -hmm. um, Or there's just injury risk and you just kind of have to lean into it. And Bill, if I can throw in one more thing, please. in redraft leagues that I did for so many years, everyone would take handcuffs or or running back insurance and almost regret it when their starter or that team starter didn't go down because you Mm -hmm. just get a zeros or ones or twos week after week on your bench um what we have found in best ball formats in these tournaments are these backup running backs who then go on to claim the lead back role when the starter does Mm -hmm. regrettably go down which can actually be a kind of difficult thing to do and guess which one is is you know good enough to do that um they are immensely valuable just look to last season rashad penny had 31 points in week 17 daryl williams Mm -hmm. 24 boston scott 22 deontay foreman 19 justin jackson had 30 points Mm -hmm. in week 16 but you know your redraft leagues you wouldn't have held on to those players for so long but in the best ball format they are so so valuable because those are game week you know wallet changing performances that those players put out there too mm-hmm. yeah i mean those guys maybe uh, in a typical league you'd have to pick up on waivers you'd, right. you'd have to sort of be active during the season to add one of those guys or anticipate what might happen heading into week 17 whereas you know in, in best ball you're drafting that player in advance before the season starts hoping that i mean not hoping to see a guy get injured but hoping that there's a role for that player as the season goes along and obviously of course those players worked out incredibly well for those teams in week 17. now with, and I feel like I'm I'm going to just echo our friend Peter Overset here in just talking about how Week 17 matters. Of course, it matters in both constructions. Week 17 in a, in a tournament like the the BBM three uh, first place is how much? Two million dollars. Two million. Two more than Ronald Jones' salary. I have a column actually specifically talking about <laughs> how much uh, the prize pool is bigger than a lot of the NFL players' salaries. <laughs> <laughs> to my to my knowledge, no NFL players have tried to enter best ball mania three to try and supplement their salary by <laughs> by finishing in first place but obviously incredibly valuable to win first place the difference between first place and 25th place in this 400,000 plus person tournament is significant whereas in your league week 17 you know differently so different structures some weeks some weeks you get uh, a bonus for finishing first overall in points in the week some some leagues you get maybe half of what first place gets for finishing in second, only three spots get paid as opposed to a larger percentage. So obviously, there's differences in payment structures, but in in both cases, I guess week 17 is important for for BBM three. Obviously, 
you want to win what's basically a DFS tournament in week 17 with several hundred teams right. in your championship. You're only playing against one other team in your home league, but obviously you want to have a great lineup come week 17. There's just different ways of getting to that lineup in best ball where it's going to be all drafting versus your home league where it's going to be more you making additions as the season goes along. Yeah. I, Hayden, once again, will be able to fill in the small details of this. And I think you again outlined it really well where it's in best ball mania three to win 2 million or $1 million. Uh, you're going against 451,000 other people mm-hmm. versus your home league of 12 people. Right. And I think in order to create an edge, we always talk about correlation and that can just be stacking your own team. But what I have found so intriguing about best ball, I mean, underdog is just over two years old. We launched our first game in July 17th of 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of does feel in some ways, Bill, like the early days of DFS Mm -hmm. where people are trying to figure out the right edges, the roster construction and in half point PPR fantasy football but lasts for 17 weeks. Personally, I think it's almost impossible to get to the point of where DFS is at the moment, but there are new ideas and new concepts of how mm-hmm. to orchestrate your team and how to stack it, not just with the players on your own, on their own teams, but also who they're facing off in week 17 opponents. And that certainly has been a storyline of the summer in this hot, hot best ball summer. Yeah, Bill, maybe you disagree with me, but I, th- I think that you should be stacking in your home leagues as well. You don't have to go crazy with it, but if you've drafted, I don't know, Mike Williams in the late third round and Justin mm-hmm. Herbert's in there in the, the four five turn, or I think you got to go for it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of these principles do apply to your redraft league. I just think in the best ball tournament style, it's like to the 10th degree and everyone's bringing back like players from the other team. You don't have mm-hmm. to do your, your redraft league because you're only trying to come in first out of 10 or 12 people. Um, but I think stacking is important regardless of the format. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, the bring backs really what I was thinking about in terms of just, you know, you'll see, you'll see teams who even win best ball mania who will have like three or four players on one team with, with two players as a bring back. And that's a little much for your, your 12 or 14 man roster in your home league. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I think stacking is, is not only a, a plus EV thing to do, but also I believe research, I want to say football guys, I could be wrong. I forget who posted it, but research has found that even though it might seem like that would make your roster more subjective variance, it's actually less subjective variance. You're actually more consistent when you stack as opposed to when you don't stack your roster. So absolutely. I think if you're going to be making an investment in whoever you pick in your draft, you want to back that up because if that player succeeds, the quarterback with that player is going to succeed and vice versa as well. Um, Before we get to player names, I do want to call attention to this. Maybe this is the real reason you brought us on the show. Yeah. Uh, On the back end, we are able to track the best teams in every single best ball mania tournament. In the regular season last year, Bill, you had a top six team from basically start to finish. I, before we get into players, I would love to know, because we're not just the experts in this. Obviously, sure. you are, too. What I lessons what might that. have you learned last season from drafting that team that you want to add to this conversation, too? I will point out that team did not win any money. It, did <laughs> won, it won like 50 bucks. It's not make it even to the final round. Uh, sadly, uh, I'm trying to think of who was on that team. Leonard Fournette did not not do well late in the season. Um, but, you know, um, what I found from le- drafting last year was... And the last couple of years, really, is number one, I do want to have opinions on players, but those opinions are not always super strong. And I think the classic example of that is 
Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in 2020, where I was like, I don't think Josh Allen's very good. I don't think it's a great pick. I, I think he's a, a good fantasy player, and Stefan Diggs is going to be fine, but I think I don't want to make a big bet on that offense, and that was totally wrong, and they were incredible and league winners. Um, I, I think I learned that to some extent. I think I'm more aggressive when it comes to uh, what Rotovis calls getting two quarterbacks in the window, drafting my second quarterback a little earlier. Um, that has been a very successful strategy historically. Um, and, and I think the big difference I've learned between drafting individual teams and in like fantasy leagues with my friends or, or my colleagues versus drafting a a lot of teams on best ball is just the idea of a portfolio. The idea that, you know, you're going to have this range of players you're going to take over the course of hundreds of drafts at the max. So, I think just being smart about managing how much you have with one particular player, you know, sort of balancing your opinions about where a player is right now versus where they might be going in the weeks to come as you get closer to the season beginning, um, and sort of taking advantage of, advantage of uh, you know dips in terms of player value, which of course applies to home leagues. I mean, the classic one last year that everyone talks about is that like three week window where people thought Jamar Chase couldn't play football, and yeah. he dropped. I think I got him on that team that was really good in like the sixth round of of uh, my fantasy draft that uh, on underdog at that point and that was you know he had been going earlier uh in drafts for the vast majority of the offseason he really dipped as the season came closer joe burrow also as well and those those guys ended up being key components i believe of the teams that ended up making the most money because they were so great against the chiefs week 17. yeah it's it's totally true those, those two and that's like a, a young offense i think that's going to be like the storyline for a lot of the players i bring bring up today mm -hmm. is trying to find those young players that we haven't seen the ceiling we know they're good and i'm with you i think when i'm evaluating players i'm less opinionated on how good each player is but mm -hmm. i want to be super strong uh with my opinions on how they're going to be used are they starting and that's what like the preseason and following the, the beat reporters and going on espn every single day and reading all the the beat reporters there is to figure out how they're being used i want to be confident in that i think that it's it's very hard to tell if jamar chase is going to be the best wide receiver in the league or just like a really good number one wide receiver so i just want to make sure i have the usage right yeah for sure yeah it's and bill if i can add on to this mm -hmm. uh, i believe we can call it the bill barnwell loss that this year the <laughs> Best Ball Mania 3, the number one team in the regular season is also awarded uh, $1 million. So all you do, Bill, is, is basically do it all over again. Um, and I, I will add that yeah. Hayden and I are not allowed to play in these tournaments, but we do a whole bunch of employee drafts. Yep. And I am awful at building a portfolio. And <laughs> maybe this is just my background where I really attach myself to certain players and certain styles and certain archetypes and ones that I think are undervalued. And as we'll get into again with some of these names we're about to bring up, mm -hmm. uh, their ADPs have drastically changed, let's say from June 6th to now the present, mm -hmm. but I still can't get off that boat. And it's easier now to then say, oh, if this was going up, this guy's going down. I want to buy the dip as you're, as you're alluding to, right. but it is, uh, it does make an entire summer of drafting really fun and how you can create different teams from that dynamic too. A fun, fun isn't the word I would use. I would say <laughs> stressful and uh, painful. As currently my number one exposure uh, on Underdog, which is a totally separate podcast, is Ronald Jones, a running back who is oh, precip Bill. precipitously uh -oh. falling. And I'm just oh, I'm trying to resist the urge to just grab him now. Like, yeah, I think I grabbed him in the uh, 18th round of a uh, of a I want to say a big dog draft recently, yeah. where it was that that does not happen very often. So it's rough out there.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But... We are going to help you guys learn, at least from my mistakes, uh, and when it comes to winning your fantasy league. So let's talk about some of these players. And again, like you said, Hayden, we're going to talk about not just how they're going to perform, but also what their role is going to be, because that is maybe stickier and maybe easier to predict heading into the season than their level of performance. So I'll, I'll let you go first, Hayden, as a first-time guest. Let's go on the positive side. Let, let's talk about someone who's being drafted earlier on underdog than he is typically, according to the ADP, in home fantasy drafts on ESPN, on other sites like ESPN that do fantasy drafts. And let's get into why you think they're being drafted earlier on underdog and, and what the takeaway might be for someone who wants to take that player in their fantasy draft a little earlier than maybe ADP would suggest. So Josh and I are both on this player and we are both nervous about this, but we have great conviction. It's Kadarius Tony. He's going 70th, 80th overall. Uh, on underdog, his like home league ADP is 122nd. And this is just kind of the young player that's never done it before. But the offense has changed. I like the offensive line better this year than I mm-hmm. did last year. The big thing is Dave Ball's offense been top 12 in neutral pace the last three years. We mm-hmm. know that they've been pass heavy. Obviously, that's with Josh Allen and not Daniel Jones. But to me, Kadarius Tony, when you just like watch the film, you look at some of his numbers against man coverage, 2.7 yards per route run. Mm-hmm. It's like rare, rare, rare ability. And he wasn't just a slot receiver. He was able to do it on the outside. The Kenny Galladay camp buzz has not been great. <laughs> Wandale Robinson is an interesting player, but he's an undersized slot receiver. Mm-hmm. So there's a pathway for Kadarius Tony to go out there and absolutely ball out. Um, you have to squint. You have to make sure that Kadarius Tony's healthy. He's not healthy right now in, in, in camp, but if he is out there and he's in, he's as good as he was in that two, three week stretch, mm-hmm. uh, last year, you're talking about somebody that I think could be like a top 15, top 20 MC wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And right now in your home leagues, you can draft him as a bench receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bill back on June 5th, Kadarius Tony, even on underdog was going as wide receiver 49. Wow. That's jumped all the way up to wide receiver 40. And that was after all of these rookies who have since done really well in Chris Olave. And there's been some fun Garrett Wilson moments, but that was even after Christian Watson at the time. And I think no matter what, even with it, we see now uh, baked into this, there's going to be something up with Kadarius Tony in every single training camp. We just have to get that, you know, in our memory mm-hmm. from here on out. But when you look at what he did against the Saints secondary, the, the Rams secondary and some short work, his movement in isolation, he just moves differently than almost any other receiver across the league. Like if you squint and Bill, you can tell me if I'm crazy, a top 20 wide receiver, I think is right there in terms of just how he wins in his routes, how he creates uh, after the catch. And I actually think part of this is 
in terms of his lower ADP in your home leagues, early in the draft process, people, there was, I think, a, a report that said that maybe they're looking on to move away from Kadarius Tony. Then there was a, a draft selection of Wandale Robinson. Mm-hmm. It is so clear that the Giants view Wandale Robinson as a slot receiver and Kadarius Tony as an outside receiver. Mm-hmm. One was not drafted to replace the other. And if you're talking about two wide receiver sets, which Hayden always does when looking at uh, receivers in offenses, especially ones that aren't among the top five or seven out there in passing units. You have to be out there in two wide receiver sets. And I think it's absolutely feasible that Kadarius Tony leads this team in yardage, in receptions, and all of it, and create big plays with his with the ball in his hands too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know when it comes to Brian Dable, it's not just that they're going to pass, but also. I think they're going to want to try and make Daniel Jones' life as easy as possible. Frankly, like like whether it's the offensive line, you know, being which I think is better, but maybe still has some some question marks. Whether it's about just getting some confidence under Daniel Jones's feet for what's what's a very important season for him after they declined his fifth year option. I think just the most likely player to get those touches that are going to make Daniel Jones's life as easy as possible. I would say Saquon Barkley is one of them, but also going to be Kadarius Tony, and that could lead to you know much bigger volume than I think we're expecting. Obviously, his one big game against the Cowboys was how many how many targets did he have in that game? Like 15, 16? Yeah, it was a ton. It was a ton. Like so we know that he has that sort of possibility in him. And like you said, for a team that could pass the ball a lot more than it has in years past, a team that could play faster than maybe they have in years past under Brian Dable, I think there's a lot to be intrigued by here. So yeah, I, I think it's not one where, you know, you've seen it very often in the past and maybe you have to sort of put the pieces together in your head but again like like you don't have to take him at 79 just because he's being taken there in underdog drafts you could take him yep. at 100 or 110 and get a significant discount and still be ahead enough of home adp that you can still get him and end up having the possibility of a significant significant victory at that point in the draft for you uh josh please give us one of your uh, positive players where you think he's being drafted higher on underdog than he is in home drafts for good reason. Well, if we're talking about Brian Dayball, I think we also should talk about the Buffalo Bills and maybe what their situation is like this year without him as the play caller. And it's so clear what Josh Allen and how much of a separator he was for fantasy teams out there last year. We know Stefan Diggs, even in a down year last year, was pretty dang good. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big question is, what are you going to get out of Gabe Davis this yeah. season? Because on underdog, he's being drafted around 44th overall. And Bill, and what you compiled, I think that's about 72nd in people's yeah. home leagues. And if you just look at his raw stats, I mean, he, he's never in the regular season crossed over 600 yards in a single season. And I think that that's, again, the perception from the outside in looking at him and and maybe holding him back again in, in typical ADPs. But I've gone through a transformation with Gabriel Davis in a few ways. One, to end the 2020 season, I don't even think the Bills were sold on Gabriel Davis because he had a horrible catch rate uh, when he was stepping in for John Brown. And when John Brown returned from injury, he was immediately replaced. And in fact, that's why they probably went out and made Emmanuel Sanders a priority last year and why Emmanuel Sanders played over Gabriel Davis for 13 weeks. And then we got to week 14. Gabriel Davis jumps in there, plays you know 70 to 80% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. And it's no looking back anymore because so often Hayden and I tell people to 
really consider when teams have to be honest with you, and it's through draft picks and it's through for agency. Yep. The Bills are now sold on Gabriel Davis because in free agency, they didn't go after any of these veteran receivers. You know, they did draft Khalil Shakur, who can fit in the slot or on the outside. But the runway is clear for Gabriel Davis to have a massive, massive season, maybe not to the point of the 200 yards and four touchdowns that he had in the playoffs, but he is no longer a part-time player and he's a full-time player again in an offense that we want every single piece of, including Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is like the better in best ball profile. And what I mean by that is he's probably not like a very consistent player yet. He's still very young, but the way that they use him, it's downfield. And that's where you get these spiked weeks that are a little bit harder to, to predict in your home league. But I think that Gabe Davis just might be a little more consistent than given credit for just because of how often this team passes. I think it's like actually a good rule uh, for your home leagues to walk away with either Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, the tight end, who I think had a great season last year. They could even have a bigger season this year or Isaiah McKenzie, who seems to be solidified in that slot position. Uh, all three of them are relatively unknowns, but this offense we know can at least handle two, uh, if not three fantasy viable uh, players. And I think a lot of people in your home leagues may not have even heard of Gabe Davis or <laughs> Dawson Knox or Isaiah McKenzie. So I think just getting one of them and then hopefully that's the one that actually hits. That would also be my suggestion is get people in your home league who have not heard of Gabe Davis. If you can get like you can get like six of those people in your league, you are in good shape. That that is something we don't talk about enough is just trying to find people who just do not pay attention to football and getting them to pay for fantasy football. So if you can make that happen, go for it. If not, follow these guys' advice when it comes to Gabe Davis. I agree. I mean, I think you know, I think the four touchdown game helps matters like i think that's the last memory people have of gabe davis and so i think that's gonna you know there'll be some people in your drafts who will say oh i gotta get that guy because he had four touchdowns and that's really good but i do think that the role is there i mean whether it's it's davis whether it is knox it could be some combination of both getting more uh more target share than we were expecting but uh, i I think there's plenty of opportunity there to be had and i I think that's going to be really exciting for probably both those guys i think they're both going to exceed their numbers pretty comfortably from what we saw during most of the regular season in 2021. Uh, Hayden, let, let's look at another player, maybe. Um, let's go the other way. Let's talk about players who are being drafted earlier in home drafts versus underdog. If you want to pick a player, let us know why you think that is and whether you think uh, people should be apprehensive taking that player where he's currently being drafted in their home fantasy drafts. So one of the biggest news from the preseason week one was Antonio Gibson. He got the start. But he had a fumble, and last year he had six fumbles, which I believe was the most among running backs. And it's something that I would guess Ron Rivera especially does not like. So they bring in Brian Robinson, who was a top 100 pick in the draft, kind of a three-down potential player from Alabama, got the experience that you're looking for. He comes in, scores a touchdown the next drive, and then Antonio Gibson stays in, plays with a second-team offense. And even before he fumbled, he was still being stubbed out for J.D. McKissick on passing down. So it's really hard to see how Antonio Gibson, who's right now going 80th overall in underdog, and I can see that getting into the hundreds yeah. uh, very soon. He's being uh, drafted around like 38th, 40th uh, overall in your home league. So Antonio Gibson's basically on the do not draft list. You could go Brian Robinson, but I think this is going to be one of those offenses where it's Carson Wentz. Uh, we don't know how good the offense in general is going to be, and it's going to be like a early down grinder and Brian Robinson or Antonio Gibson, then in comes J.D. McKissick. So I don't love any of them. I would be betting on Brian Robinson at cost, but really Antonio Gibson, you shouldn't even be drafting probably to like round 9, 10, 11. Wow. It's been a weird career for Antonio Gibson, I think, because obviously at Memphis, he played a lot of wide receiver snaps, 
transforms almost into a between the tackles runner immediately once he he joins Washington um, and has a great season last year, despite playing with a stress fracture like the entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you zoom out, how Washington handled the running back position this offseason has also been fascinating, where you had Antonio Gibson in place, again, coming off an awesome year. J.D. McKissick is one foot out the door, yet they get a contract back to re-sign him in a role that we would love to see Antonio Gibson get a more, more of a receiving opportunity. And then again, you spend a top 100 pick on Brian Robinson out of Alabama, who isn't the fastest or the shiftiest, but he does everything really solidly for a coach in Ron Rivera who will punish you, has gone out and said multiple times to the media, if you fumble, you are getting benched. And we saw it literally, I think, on the sixth play of scrimmage, eighth play of scrimmage, that Antonio Gibson fumbles, and he was true 100% to his word. And then with the offensive line played extremely well last year, despite not maybe having one name brand piece Mm -hmm. to move on to this year, I do get a little bit of concern in those situations if the coaching can just stay so consistent and if the injury luck is on their side too. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, this is a guy who's going 38th in, in, in home drive. So in your, your 12 team leagues, he's going at the beginning of the fourth round. I mean, just to say probably shouldn't be drafted at all or should be drafted much, much, much later. I mean, that's pretty much just a, a stay away as much as possible from Antonio Gibson. And again, maybe it changes. Maybe, you know, midseason he's available for cheap and you trade for him and it's, it's a good spot. But I think there's just so many wide receivers you're passing up or so many players who are have more upside you're passing up in that spot than Antonio Gibson, who might not have a clear path at a significant receiving role, might not have a clear path at a significant goal line role, which are the two two things you want from your running backs in fantasy football. Um, Josh, do you have a player who you're pessimistic on and you're seeing being drafted much earlier in public drafts versus underdogs current ADP? I'm not sure if, if I'm pessimistic on this. I just want to talk about the situation because it's the Patriots backfield. And we've already gone through like a whole journey on the Patriots backfield this summer when it comes to underdog drafts and ADP. Like take, for example, okay, back again in early June, uh, Ramon Stevenson was being selected as the running back 38 overall. That has now vaulted him all the way up to the running back 30 overall. And in fact, on underdog, he is going ahead of Damian Harris. Mm -hmm. I was a massive proponent of Ramondre Stevenson early this summer because of how electric he is with the ball in his hands. I mean, in terms of big plays at the running back position, 10-plus yard runs, 20-plus yard catches, only three players had 15% of their touches equal that mark. Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, and Ramondre Stevenson. And despite only having, what, like 19, 18 targets last season, he was up there with some of the best after the catch at his position. But... Did I mean, and I'm not going to put this on my shoulders, other people did it too. Did I mean to force Ramondre Stevenson to start going ahead of Damian Harris now in drafts? No, because where Damian Harris shined last year was third carries inside the 10 yard line, and that equaled 11 touchdowns. Like high value touches, touchdowns, pretty important for fantasy football. And I don't know if he's giving that opportunity away. Now, in your home leagues that you're talking about here, Bill. Ramondre is going about 60th overall versus 99 overall on on underdog. I don't think I can get to 60 overall with Damian, but would I still want to take DH, the Dame train, over Ramondre Stevenson until we see, you know, those high value touches be split a bit more evenly between the two? 100%. I don't know. I'm kind of lost in this backfield, Bill. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's certain backfields where 
you know there's going to be some value. And, and I think the play, especially on best ball, is just to take as much of it as possible at, at cost and just get the player who's cheaper. Um, yeah. And I think this is what happened with me last year with the Bucks on that super team that I built where, uh, you know, I, I wasn't sure if Leonard Fournette was going to be the guy. There was certainly plenty of Ronald Jones hype. There was certainly some skepticism about Leonard Fournette's role in that offense. And I had plenty of Ronald Jones across my teams last year. And that looked pretty stupid on a bunch of those teams. But I was able to get Leonard Fournette like in the 13th round uh, on that team. And that is not because I'm a genius, not because I was patient, just because I got lucky and I was willing to take a spot on Leonard Fournette where I would not have taken him maybe in the eighth or ninth round. And so I think one of the good things about at least being aware of what's happening with best ball ADP and aware of best ball and the trends that are happening there is that you can then apply that to your home league and say, okay, you know, this guy was going in the eighth round a couple months ago and really what's changed? Like, you know, is it a, a camp report? Is it, you know, just people being more and more optimistic about another player? Like, like has anything about the situation really changed or is it just people are thinking about it differently? And, and there's something wrong. People sometimes are right when they change how they view a situation, but sometimes they're wrong. And last year, Leonard Fournette dropping several rounds was wrong. And that became a really valuable opportunity for people because Leonard Fournette was a, you know, a top 10 running back in fantasy football for the vast majority of the season last year. So I think when it comes to a situation like this, you know, I, I'm not optimistic. I'm not saying that I know more about Ramondre Stevenson than anyone else, or I know more about Damian Harris than anybody else, but I am willing to take a shot maybe on the player who's cheaper just because I think in the long run, getting that play for cheaper, whether it's Stevenson or whether it's Harris, is the best way to play the situation and the most likely way you're going to get value out of that spot. Yeah, my only know with Damian Harris is he's going to be the first player in fantasy football history to score 15 touchdowns, average 4.6 yards per carry, and then not be a top 100 pick. Like, I don't know who decided this, but it seems wrong to me. Um, So I've been drafting plenty of Damian Harris. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, I think it's all about just where the spot is and, and, how it fits into your, your roster construction as well. Yeah. I think um, that's super I think that's super sharp in that just take the one who was lower because that's basically my case again a couple of months ago for Ramondre. I think so many people then lock into his explosiveness and that DH is on the final year of his contract. And I also believe, Bill, that maybe this is a bit more of a tighter two-person backfield than what we've seen in the past with the Patriots. But then there's also a whole bunch of skepticism of not just the offensive line success, if it's going to match what we saw last year, but also the play calling success. Because, you know, a drop off from Josh McDaniels to whatever we get this year might be a, a, a big shift, too. So that's, that's a good point. It didn't occur to me that the Patriots just have a big old question mark calling plays for them in 2022. Uh, that's a fair point as well. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, let's go back on the positive side. Let's talk about maybe, again, one of those players who is being drafted higher in best ball and, and get to why, Hayden, is there a... Do you have a non-wide receiver who comes to mind for you? Ooh, I was going to make you choose between USC greats Juju or Drake London, but uh, I have a running back name, and it's Damian Pierce. And Damian okay. Pierce... I think it's going to be a riser after what he did in the preseason. Lovey Smith came out after the game and was very excited about what Damian Pierce did in the opener. Uh, Marlon Mack didn't look 
like a special player. I don't think anyone was expecting that. And Damian Pierce, he really fell and didn't get that much hype throughout the NFL draft process because he had 17th percentile adjusted production for my model. He just never got on the field at Florida, uh, which is kind of the similar case with Kadarius Tony. But when he was out there, he was elite in forcing missed tackles yards after the catch. He runs like a madman. He gets after it in pass protection. He basically uh, did a WWE move uh, in pass protection in this, pre- in this preseason game. Uh, he runs really hard. I think that he has a chance to be the Texans' primary running back. And you don't really see like day three, day four, or uh, day two, day three uh, running backs kind of emerge as like a potential week one starter. But I think that the da- the Damian Pierce hype uh, is an going to be justified he's not going to be a a top 12 fantasy running back but uh he's currently being drafted like 132nd overall i think you might be able to put him into your flex during bye weeks Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. Uh, and i think you know even if you're not always excited about the player there are times where just having that guy on your roster having him at you know in the right spot at the right moment can be a difference maker i I think about a league i lost a couple years ago where i had like some some super team and miles gaskin scored two touchdowns and had 167 yards from scrimmage during championship week. And he had been on IR for most of the, the second half of the year. Like, you know, if you get that guy in the draft and he happens to start because it's a murky situation and then and on, on a bad team, like the Texans probably are and how the Dolphins were a couple of years ago. And then, you know, you get to put him on IR, you have him around and then suddenly you need him championship week. Hey, he play, he, he pans out and ends up being a, a guy who can win a league for you. You know, Damian Pierce, and as a young back, I think young backs do this more than anybody else. Like that, that is the, the possibility here where you have a guy who even if he's not getting too much hype right now because it's uncertain situation because it's a you know a a team that has plenty of reasons to look at younger players that guy can turn out to be a really important player when it comes to the most important weeks of fantasy football yeah and hopefully their offensive line is fixed a little bit more with Larry Tunso at left tackle Titus Howard at right tackle they drafted Kenyon Green obviously early in the first round just to put some context into what Hayden was saying Damian Pierce forced 39 missed tackles, 100 attempts last year. Wow. But he never played more than 23 snaps in a game at Florida. Like the Hayden talks about this a lot. People get so focused on, I don't know, models or projections based on production. But sometimes it's the coaching staff that just mismanaged. And we've seen that quite a bit during the previous coach's time at Florida. And then also these are highly sought out recruits that sometimes you don't get to break out until another former five or four star multiple of those guys then move on as well. Uh, I do wonder how often we can in the back of our heads, want to start a starting running back on the Houston Texans and all of our redraft leagues, but for where he's going right now in a cluster of a bunch of other questions, Mm -hmm. still an underdog around Daryl Henderson, Isaiah Spiller, Rashad white, so on and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Like Damian Pierce is absolutely from a pure talent standpoint and creating space on his own while also picking up the yards block for him, which we've seen work fantastically for the people like Javante Williams and Kareem Hunt, other guys who broke so many tackles coming out of school. That's definitely the type of talent I want to associate myself to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Josh, do you have another player who is being drafted earlier on the home fantasy side who Ooh. you are concerned about being? Uh, who's being drafted later in best ball than he is in those home drafts. And maybe I'll, I'll give you a challenge. Is there one who you think you're optimistic about, who you feel like maybe should be being drafted earlier yeah. on underdog, who's not being drafted? Yeah, uh, underdog drafters have it all wrong about Patrick Mahomes, man. Really? Like, oh, yes. Patrick Mahomes, we're in the year 2022, 
And you can get Patrick Mahomes as the quarterback four in underdog fantasy drafts right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you'll ever be able to say that for the next five years of his career. And I understand it from the standpoint of Josh Allen was, what, 17 yards away from being the rushing leader at the position last year. Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert now has a solidified offensive line. Hopefully they throw more down the field earlier in downs. Uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, despite everything working against him last year, was still a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but he's Mm -hmm. going as the quarterback three now. And then you have Patrick Mahomes in kind of a transition potential year for this offense. It was even cool to see what Andy Reid did this past weekend in the preseason games, having a inline tight end and a fullback just to go out there with two wide receivers, getting back to like his old school staples a little bit after Mm -hmm. year after year, spreading it out to the 10th degree with Tyreek Hill and all these pass catching weapons. Um, I just think that despite how many too high shells the Chiefs faced off against last year and the early season struggles we saw because of it, Mm -hmm. it, we ended the year in a really, really great spot offensively. And this team, again, despite Mahomes facing so many coverages trying to limit the big plays. Mahomes still attempted the seventh most passes of 20 plus yards last season. And I think you're going to have Travis Kelsey as the pillar piece of all of that and a bunch of really fun role players all around that, you know, sun, that orbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, MVS, who has areas where he wins. Sky Moore is a really exciting rookie. Judas Smith Huster, who was so proficient early in his career. And obviously you can throw in Miko Hardman if you want to, if, if, if that's your type of thing. So Mahomes, he's still Patrick Mahomes in that he's going to be productive. And I just think we see some different areas of where Andy Reid transitions his offense this year and to still win in areas that he hasn't been able to show the past couple. Yeah, obviously they lose Tyreek Hill, but at the same time, they trade for a left tackle. They sign one of the best left guards, and then they absolutely hit on their center and right tackle mm-hmm. spots too. So I think you can make an argument this is going to be the best offensive line Patrick Mahomes played with, and it's probably the, one of the, uh, at least the wide receiver depth, maybe not the overall unit, mm-hmm. but the overall depth at the wide receiver position is a little bit better. So um, I'm not going to be riding off Patrick Mahomes. That seems absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, it might be different, but I do think that now and adding Juju and adding Sky Moore, they have pieces outside of Travis Kelsey who are going to win when teams are playing too high, where it's going to be, yep. okay, you want to give us eight eight free yards every single snap? Well, great. We now have guys who are going to get eight free yards and run for a few more afterwards. And then those sort of ancillary pieces with MVS and um, with McCall Hardman you know, are, are going to be players who are better in best ball than they are in, in weekly fantasy football because when those spike weeks happen, you don't need to worry about having them in your lineup. But I think there are going to be opportunities for um, both. I think you're going to see the Chiefs force teams from getting out from the, those those two high safety looks for safeties are 25 yards downfield just to avoid any semblance of a big play. I'm going to put something on you guys as we finish up here. Uh, I'm going to challenge you. This is unrelated to our topic. I want to know, and please be honest, I want you to go to underdogfantasy.com, your employers. <laughs> I want you. I want you to give me your highest exposure player. Oh, let's do this. Uh, for for tournaments for the upcoming season. I guess obviously, you know, you are in. You don't have as many drafts. drafts. Oh, you're yeah. in. You're in employee drafts, but I want to know who your Bill, your highest exposure player is. Can we have some fun with this? Because um, I don't know if you listen to our show. You don't have to tell us if you do. Uh, but you see us tweet all the time. Um, who would you guess mine is? <sighs> that is a good question. And I, it, it's a player who, let's say, is outside the top 75. Let's put it that way. 
I honestly don't know. Okay. I, I, the thing is, I, I see you tweet about a lot of players. You have yeah, like a that, lot of fair. like, you have, you have a, quite a few hobby horses, which yeah, is great. That's fair. But, but the I'll, one who, I'll, I'll, I'll the one who came to mind for me was Ramondre. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, close. It's, it's Joshua Palmer. Um, ah. Joshua Palmer has been a personal favorite of mine since the start of the summer. And I think that this can kind of go back to our earlier comment about running back insurance and how those might, you know, not put up a whole bunch of points on your redraft bench, but wide receiver threes in certain offenses can really result, I think, in spike weeks too. And I think Joshua Palmer's in this unique situation where not every single wide receiver three is one we want to attack. Mm -hmm. But let's say if regrettably something happens to Keen Allen like it did last year for a game or Mike Williams like it did last year for a game. Joshua Palmer played on the inside as Keen Allen's replacement. He played on the outside as Mike Williams' replacement in two wide receiver sets. But then the other avenue to success is if he just claims the third wide receiver gig to himself. And I think that we're on the pathway to that. DeAndre Carter has done a great job in training camp too, but Joshua Palmer is one of these players in a top five passing offense that uh, earlier in the summer was a lot cheaper, has become a bit more expensive, but his archetype, along with maybe someone like KJ Osborne, teams that are going to live in a lot of 11 personnel. Mm -hmm. uh, I really drift towards towards that style of player. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends uh, what part of the year, uh, if we're looking before the draft, and that's what kind of the benefit of underdogs, you can come hang out, play fantasy football uh, in January, February for the next <laughs> season. Uh, when it was that part of the year, it was actually George Pickens. But if we're talking about drafts uh, recently, uh, since the actual NFL draft, it's David Njoku. And we actually got great news from David Njoku mm -hmm. um, in preseason. The Browns first team offense played nine snaps. David Njoku was out there for all nine of them last year. If you just look at his playing time, it was hovering around like that 60% mark. Mm -hmm. Obviously they lose Austin Hooper. They also give David Njoku a fat bag. And I went back and watched him after seeing the contract he got. And I was pretty impressed with how good mm -hmm. of a run blocker he is. We know how athletic he is and we know how depleted that depth chart in general is. So if David Njoku uh, could just be a full-time player, I think that he has a chance to kind of break out as that like tight end two, I think he has plenty of upside. I'm still holding out some hope that uh, maybe Jimmy G ends up making his way over uh, to the Browns mm -hmm. as well. So I think that David Njoku, he entered the year or entered uh, the NFL really raw, really young. And it, Josh always talks about the late breakout at the tight end position. I think David Njoku makes a lot of sense in like the tight end to hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think uh, it's funny because you queued up a couple of things I just talked about. One of them, I did a column on breakouts today for ESPN and David Njoku's in that column. And part of it is um, he just wasn't running very many routes uh the past couple of years like he was running like 16 17 routes a game whereas someone like mark andrews running about twice as many routes a year ago um david Njoku, i think was eighth maybe seventh maybe ninth i think eighth in yards per route run last year amongst tight ends so i mean significant production on a per route basis just did not have the volume but now with austin hooper being cut opportunity certainly being there for someone has to catch the ball in cleveland besides amari cooper i absolutely agree david Njoku is someone i've been trying to uh, go after in my drafts as well. And we talked about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation um, and the possibility of him going to the Browns, why it would make sense on the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, uh, where I was on today as well. So you can check both those things out. Um, I I will reveal, you guys have access to the background. I'm sure you could just find my 
by exposures if no, you were so inclined. No, we, we don't like to peek through keyholes like that. Bill, we want you to tell us who it is. I, I will tell you. It's a, it's basically a three-way tie. There are two guys at 18.1% Rojo. and one at 17%. Rojo is fourth. Rojo is 17. <laughs> I, I, I only have four players above 16% exposure. You're a wild wow. man, Bill. You, yeah. you have a big brain and really try to work this as a portfolio. You draft with your brain. I draft with my heart. We are the two styles of people. I, I just have no confidence in my ability to pick players. But yeah, here you're, you're I, scared Ro to compete, Bill. That's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not built different is what it boils down to. Rojo is is one and sadly going to keep growing because his price is getting cheaper and cheaper. But the the top three guys between 17.7% and 18.1% are all elite tight ends. Darren Waller, George Kittle, and Kyle Pitts. Wow. And I think that reveals something that I feel strongly about, which is that having a really good tight end is a huge huge advantage for you in fantasy football i don't know if you guys agree but i feel like that is i've built a lot of my teams by that combination i think that's 54 percent or so with one of those three lead ends plus travis kelsey and mark andrews also about at an average clip as well interesting we've talked about this a lot in our show like there are clusters like it's those elite tight ends that you've talked about then after that i almost want to wait till the dallas goddard Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz territory, but then Hayden has made a great pitch this offseason in a pure best ball format of almost Dr. Frankensteining the tight end room and just drafting three later ones of the Hunter Henrys, the David Njoku's, the Evan Ingrams, we can, even the Taysom Hills of the world. And uh, I, I'm really intrigued, let's say eight months from now, to find out if Hayden has hooked his his horse, his wagon on to the right uh, strategy there because he is uh, he is going down with that ship this summer for sure. Yeah, I think this goes back to the initial conversation between best ball and redraft. In best ball, I want to take advantage of the weekly variance. Tight ends, their scoring is way less consistent because they're so touchdown reliant. And in best ball, since we're uh, picking your optimal lineups, I'm okay ping-ponging my touchdowns from like the tight end two department. Now in redraft, there's nothing worse than going and picking up and you're debating between two tight ends who everyone ranks between 14th and 18th on the week. And you got to guess which one gets the touchdown. So I think in like your home league, it makes a lot of sense to graph, draft one of the guys that have the volume, someone like Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews, actually my tight end one. Uh, but this year, just because some of them are a little older than you would expect, a little more target competition, I have been... Uh, in the tight end to my highest exposed tight ends are Ninjoku, Hunter Henry, Dawson Ox, Evan Ingram, Gerald Everett, Cameron Brait, Austin Hooper. So uh, we're on the opposite ends of the spectrum here, Bill. Mm -hmm. That is something that I'm not confident I will be correct in by the time <laughs> we get to the end of the season. But we will have to run it back later on this year and just take a look back at some of the players we we're talking about and how it turned out maybe as the season went along. But until then, guys. If people want to check out more of your coverage of best ball and the NFL and fantasy football and all that fun stuff, where can they do that? Best places on YouTube. We have three to four shows every single week. Just search underdog fantasy on your YouTube channel search. And uh, Hayden, I smiling faces, our blonde <laughs> hair, our, our flashing lights behind us will be on your screen. Bill, thanks so much for having us. We always truly do enjoy talking to you about this because uh, like you said, you're a self-reported best ball sicko. And uh, we are kind of nearing the end of, again, the hot, hot best ball summer. And hopefully, really, it is the best way, don't you think, to prepare for your home leagues as well, like getting through and seeing the the teams you can build from multiple spots. So hopefully, people, if you've never tried best ball, you do it for the first time this week. Thanks, guys. 
right. Thanks so much to my guests, Josh Norris and Hayden Winks of Underdog Football. I'm a big fan of their product. I play it myself. They are great. Watch their shows. Listen to them talk about football. You will learn a lot. Even if you're not a best ball nerd, you'll learn a lot about fantasy football and how teams are really positioning players to be used heading into the 2022 season, which even if you're not a fantasy football guy or a fantasy football person, you may enjoy. Hope you guys are enjoying it. We have, I think, a mailbag show coming up next week, which will hopefully be fun. Getting some of your questions. Hope you guys enjoy that. We have more football preview stuff happening over the next month before the NFL season begins. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Hope you guys are having a great summer. More fantasy football, more real football coming next week here on the Bill Barnwell Show.